Looking for the best place to buy tickets for any of your favorite teams or sporting events? We've got the spot. Our partner, StubHub, has been the leading ticket marketplace in the world for over 20 years, providing a 100% guarantee with every order. From a worldwide selection of live events, the widest choice of tickets and industry-leading partnerships, StubHub has what you need to purchase with confidence. StubHub, an official partner of The Athletic. The Athletic. Step over inside there, and the first opportunity, oh, there's the answer. He's been in the headlines for everything apart from football in the build-up. He's selected by his manager, and inside five minutes, Marcus Rashford scores for Manchester United. Garnacho finds Rashford. Shaw can cross! 2-0! Garnacho's taken it away from Totti. Manchester United are in. It's Hoyland! Good save by Saar. It's another chance wasted by Manchester United. They should be out of sight. Down goes Neto. There's the short penalty to Wolves. Foul on Neto. Sarabia scores. And just like that, Manchester United's lead is cut in half. That's not a bad one. It's gone in. McTominay straight into the game. And he scores for Manchester United. Goes the corner, glanced off the head of Bruno Fernandes and sets in goal with it, got another one! And with five and a half minutes to go, Wolverhampton Wanderers are still fighting. Neto's on the move here, using that space and shoots it into the back of the net! Bonavue's gone absolutely wild! Still three minutes to go, you know. Maynard, chance for Manchester United, that's Manchester United fans have gone wild! And the teenager, the local boy, the academy product has fired his team ahead and look at the Wolves players down on their knees. What a game, 4-3. This is Premier League football at its absolute best. This is Talk of the Devils, the Athletics podcast dedicated to Manchester United. We're recording just after 11 o'clock. What a game, what a response from Marcus Rashford and what a night for Kobe Mainu. My goodness, I don't think I've stopped smiling yet. And that wasn't just seeing the faces of Laurie Whitwell and Andy Mitten smiling back at me from Molyneux and Carl Anker also smiling back at me from his home in Manchester. Um, Andy, Laurie, I've got to start with you two first. What was it like to be there? Mental, bewildering. The the only problem is you're in the press box and (laughs) you can't go up because um, someone who sat next to me who used to play for Manchester United, (laughs) I wouldn't say went up when Marcus Rashford's goal went in at the start, but a steward did come over and say, did you just go up when Man United scored? He went, no. He showed too much much enthusiasm, shall we say, for the local Wolves fans around us to be... It's uh, someone who used to play for Manchester United. I don't think it's fair to name him. Okay, all right. Don't make it too but, uh, much of a feature of the start of the podcast, said I would say. United won 4-3. Yeah. A, a team which doesn't score, scored four goals. Cobby's winner was just 
fantastic. Marcus needed a, a good start and had it. Ran straight to the away side, not end side. And I spoke to United fans before the game, and Laurie was with me. And I asked him about Marcus Rashford. It was so negative. We can understand why, but literally couldn't find anyone who wanted him to stay at the club. And then I'm seeing, like, 20 minutes later, people singing about Marcus Rashford being on the beer and having a good night. So <laughs> I'm not sure where the truth lies at the moment. I really enjoyed it. I thought it was a fantastic game of football, but it would have been a great shame if Manchester United would have not won it because for 60 minutes United dominated it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Don't worry about that for a minute. Let's not pop the bubble. Really enjoyed it, Andy's saying. I had to stop him from sprinting down onto the pitch and joining Alejandro Garnacho, who's come off the bench, to join in the celebrations. He's bigging me up here. I wasn't doing that (laughs) at all. I I like the idea of doing that. Carl, I know Cobby Main is probably not as popular with you as others because you've just had to write your match review and rewrite (laughs) your your match review and rewrite your match review. Uh, And he's just ensured that the last one was the best one, yeah? Absolutely. So did the on-whistle briefing for the athletic. The aim is to get this out as close to the full-time whistle as possible. So I had uh, had my section Marcus Rashford done pretty much by the 65th minute when he got substituted, just dotted After the eyes. five the minutes, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Three touches, one goal. And he's right. He definitely needed that. And I think that's the start. That's not all is forgiven. He's now got to go on to West Ham. And it's not just about goals. It's also about defensive effort as well. So Rashford segment done, 65th minute, confirmed it after he gets substituted. I had a section on, is this Manchester United's best 11? Pretty much had that done at half time. We're all nodding here. Yeah, yeah. Looking at that saying, yeah, that, that starting 11 is probably, I think, United's strongest 11. Yeah. I think it's interesting that Hoyland at full time mentioned his relationship with Rashford and Garnacho At the moment, right wing is Garnacho's to lose. So that was done, pretty much. So, you know, that was done at 2-0. Redid it again at 3-1. Well, I had to put in a little bit about how, even though it's still best 11, there's still weaknesses on set pieces and counter-attacks. And then it gets to 3-2. And then you go, oh no. And then it gets to 3-3. So I've got to write a whole brand new section. I had a section on Rasmus Hoyland that will not see the light of day. Uh, <laughs> and then thankfully, because of uh, Kobe like Robbie, the menu of the match, some might say, I got to have a nice happy ending there. Glorious. Glorious. What, three goals scored by Carrington Academy products? Yeah, and, and yes, Cobby like Robbie, Bruno Fernandez. You need to get practising. <laughs> and Rio Ferdinand as well. Yeah, we, Rio, had, yeah. we had so many messages about that, or I did on, on Twitter, uh, that I felt like I needed to tweet Bruno Fernandez just to remind him. But even on the whistle, uh, Dan was saying, good luck picking that apart. Jake was saying, Cobby like Robbie, goal. Matt was saying, Cobby like Robbie, hey lads, he's some player. Uh, Dan Wolves games, said Bruce, only ever a goal <laughs> in it, isn't there? <laughs> I mean, that was quite a, a turn of the narrative for Manchester United and Wolves games. But let's just stay on Kobe Mainu for a minute, Laurie. I mean, his first Premier League goal, a 97th minute winner for his boyhood club, the nutmeg, the finish. Forget the fact they'd just conceded an equaliser two minutes before as well. My goodness me. And then his post-match interview, he's the coolest man in the shop still. That's celebration <laughs> too. It's an outrageous goal and it gets better. Every time you watch it. The more you watch it, yeah. Because yeah. obviously in the stadium, you sort of... It's your head whirring a little bit and you're sort of trying to see what's potentially going to happen. You know, United's bench are all kind of despairing. Hoyland on the bench is looking like a face of thunder because he's thinking, I've just turned out a really good performance and this is <laughs> how it's going to end. And then he just has no right to score from that position. 
he picks up the ball in, in it's not even a dangerous moment really and he just kind of in his mind he's thinking this is my chance or this is United's chance and then it developed into his chance because he you know glided past uh, Jao Gomez I think it was nutmegs Max Kilman and then he's inside and, and Amari Forson you know credit to him a little bit you know he, he made the run to tuck Lamina away I know you know as far it's as this go it's assist yeah I know <laughs> it was a lovely pass by him and then a great run uh, but that finish you know just and we were right behind it in the press box you could see it was in as soon as he struck it and yeah the celebration just cool I mean that is that is him all over from what we've seen so far from you know the FA Youth Cup run to then um, you know developing into the pre-season and you sort of getting excited by him and he seems to be the one that's kind of calm and composed he's a number six but then he goes and pops up in this kind of number 10 role and, and provides the magic in that moment I, I, I knew that he was good at passing and, and people probably say well actually maybe he's a number eight maybe he's all three I don't know a six an eight and a ten uh, but that 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 just distinguishes him. He's 18 years old, you know. To have that mentality and then the, the skill to actually pull it off is quite something. And and Tenag was really interesting actually after the game about him. He said that he first spotted him last autumn, you know, properly. And he, he saw him in 21 games and he thought that he wasn't he, he wasn't being pushed enough. Um, I think he must mean before pre-season, obviously, in terms of autumn, because obviously last autumn he was you know injured, wasn't he? Yeah, he, he'd autumn been on 22. Pre- I think that's what he means. It was but the autumn before, isn't it? Yeah, I think that's what he means. Yeah. But the, he was saying that he wasn't pushing himself enough in 21s games for his liking. So they kind of were quite hard on him, you know, in training and then showing him. And he, he says that you can see the progress game by game almost. It's, it's wonderful to see. I hope he stays calm, but I think he's got the belief that he will do because he's got, you know, a good family around him, good support. And it just his, his personality, his disposition just seems to be made for this kind of thing. He saved Manchester United 50, 60, maybe even 70 million in the transfer market. He is of a quality right now that you just remove one player on your night shopping list in the summer. You don't have to get that whatever because Kobe like Robbie is going to do that job for now to whatever. I agree with with Laurie in that in the Everton game where he made his debut, his Premier League debut, I should prop starting debut, I should say. You're thinking this is a number six. This is your deepest midfielder. Here, it was Casemiro as the deepest midfielder. Manu was more of a box-to-box midfielder. And I think it's up to him what position of those two he, he, he wants to do. But I think between now and the end of the season, one of your midfielders is going to be your club captain, Bruno Fernandes, and the other one's going to be Kobe. So it's up for Casemiro, Amrabat, Mount, whoever else to, to <laughs> battle for the... for. I know I keep mentioning him, Mount, because people forget about him. No, he's still um, a Manchester United player. No, you are right to mention him. Yeah, to, to get that other spot, because if you're naming your best 11, you've got to have Manu in there now. Yeah, I, I was laughing more at the fact that you were saying Casemiro had to fight for his place because Cobby's got his spot <laughs> sorted in the team, um, which in a way it's probably hard to argue with because of his performances and um, the way it's been. I need to give a shout out to Stephen Duffin at this point as well. He said, it's not Cobby like Robbie, Andy, it's Cobby like Bobby flipping Charlton. <laughs> <With that goal. laughs> I can't believe how good he is so early in his, his career. Um, the way he breaks things up, his interceptions, his tackles. He reads the game yeah. so well and he's so calm. And I can see, I, I spent time in the company of his dad and he's a calm man. You can almost see where this is coming from. And his brother has a very high profile as well. And I spoke to his dad about his brother and he's just completely calm about the whole situation. We should say who his brother is because... Um... We, we haven't talked about this on the podcast, actually, have we? I think this is more Laurie's bag than yours, Andy, to be fair. <laughs> I do follow him on Instagram. 
Go on then. Well, it's Jordan from Love Island, isn't it? Yeah. He watched Love Island. He's a very fashionable guy, so obviously I'm picking up all his tips. What do you reckon to his fashion, Carl? I do not watch Love Island anymore. I stopped. Stopped after the phase. Yeah, you're a wise, you're a wise <laughs> man. Yeah. No, I don't watch Love Island anymore. I certainly don't watch All Stars. I flicked that on for five minutes the other day, and I was like, this is abysmal television. But I followed Jordan because I knew he was related to Cobby, and you know he's quite an interesting character himself, isn't he? Mm. Mm. The family are interesting. Is, is the Stockport Seedorf I've written tonight? Mm. Like that. And, uh, Real Ferdinand said that, didn't he? That he reminded oh, really? him of Karen Seedorf, yeah. I was going to say Macaulay. So who's, who's stolen sure. it off who then? I've not heard Rio say it. You've, you've independently said Seedorf. Yeah, Rio, Rio said, said, that, Rio said, said it on a TNT yeah. sport. That's fun. There was an interesting point in the second half when Lissandro Martinez pulled Cobby and praised him. And. Him playing along Casimiro, I think that could really help him because we've had doubts about Casimiro this season because he's been injured, he's not fully back to fitness. And Eric Tenag said after the game, there's, there's several players who are not fully back yet. And you can see that. I could see Lissandro Martinez blowing at one point after mm. he'd done a really good move and he's a proper lung buster. And Varane, Casimiro, but if he can learn alongside Casimiro, then who better to learn from him? When I looked at that side tonight, we know it's probably Ten Hag's best side, favoured side. Looks for optimistic eyes, which I did have, thinking if Marcus stays, then I think we could be onto something here. I know it's really, really early, and the form of Manchester United this season will be to lose at home to West Ham. <laughs> but well, they I nearly felt threw quite... that away, didn't they? <laughs> well, they, they did, and that would have been a real shame because it was a really, really good performance. That first half is probably on par best, yeah. with the Spurs first half from last season in the 2-0 United could have two goals two goals chalked off for offside Casemiro was a constant threat from free kicks you, you're going in at half time thinking this is a 3 or 4 nil game you know, this is a game that could have easily been ended 2-5 well, even United. at the start of that second half you've got Garnacho, who in the first half has shanked a ball horrendously for Rashford mm -hmm. you know, straight out for a goal kick but he sets up three really good chances mm. two yeah. huge chances for Hoyland and, and Fernandez, which I think you know is quite a nice response to the Newport game where obviously he didn't pass when he should have done I really like Garnacho's performance partly because of the way he defended we know what he's like going forward and yeah. there's a time at the end where he broke away and did so with maturity because United were needed to run, run the clock down for a little bit. But I just thought he, he was intelligent, he was involved in, in the goals and he's, he's really maturing on a week-by-week -week basis. And Hoyland's good as well and Rashford was good after you know, a week which will never be described as calm for him. So there's your three front players. You've got Bruno behind him, you've got Martinez and Varane and, and this isn't, we're not thinking this is going to be Man United in five years' time because there are going to be changes. Although Eric Tenag again talked about FFP and the need to sell your players, even your good ones, and it not being an ideal way to, to build your team. So there are constraints, not just for Manchester United, but for everybody. But as we sit here now in Wolverhampton on the 1st of February... I am confident that Manchester United can significantly improve and I may have to eat my words but that is how I feel at the moment and more players are coming back in as well and get a decent run together. Now, if we don't beat West Ham then I'm obviously going to look like an idiot but that is how I feel at the moment and Ten Hag, the one thing he has said is I'm missing all my players. Not all of them, he'd never say that. He's missing his most important players. Well, now they're back. His time at Manchester United will, will either be broken 
by the end of this season or he'll make it if, if United finish strongly. Andy, do you know why you feel like that? Because it's Manchester United's longest unbeaten run of the season that they're on at the moment. What, because there's been no games? <laughs> <laughs> no, not in terms of time, in terms of matches. It's still unremarkable though, four games. Wow. Right. That's Manchester United's longest unbeaten run this season. That, that's shocking, the negative goal difference is shocking. We can still apply so many bad statistics to this season, but... I think we're on the way up. Yeah, first away win in the league since November. Oh, is that right? 26, yeah. Th- th- first th- this time is the other led... thing. Go on, Laurie, sorry. First time we've led an away game in four matches for a single minute. Yeah, so there's lots of stats and they're really contrasting. It's like the emotion of watching United and the performance week to week as well. I mean, I asked Eric Ten Hag in his press conference, it was about the only break from Marcus Rashford, I think, pretty much. But I asked him, you know, do you know what to expect from this team going to Wolves? Do you know what's going to come? And he went back to the idea of, you know, the performances being so good at times and so poor at other times. But I think you're right, Andy. I think if they can get a consistency of selection, which seems to be what he's trying, um, that they could well find a way through this. Because Wolves actually hadn't lost at home in the Premier League since September as well. And they've beaten some decent teams during that time. They were brilliant at Old Trafford, weren't they? Yeah. The opening day of the season. And they've come into form. They got the penalty eventually, didn't they? <laughs> it's, yeah, it's soft it, one though, wasn't it? Well, I mean, that's basically what they'd got done with previously. Yeah. They, they had two or three very similar ones where they've been you know, on the wrong end of. I mean, it's just a, a total dive, isn't it? He's sort of flicked his shin. It's silly from Casemiro, I suppose, to put his foot out like that, but you, you, should, you shouldn't be getting penalties against you for that in, in the, the VAR age, but I suppose we don't know what that is. Um, and it was interesting, actually, Casemiro immediately got subbed. Um, and, and yeah, I, I wonder if, I do think that Tenag did that because he was already on a booking f- from the second minute, another mm. scissor tackle that's just like a, a wild one. He didn't need but to do he, that he, either, did he? Didn't need to do that one, but then he did play well, like, for, for the most yeah. part. Like, he's passing and he, he was in the right places to, to stop the counter-attacks. Obviously then, he was off, wasn't he, when, when Wolves got their equaliser. It felt more like Casemiro from... I want to say April yeah. of last season. So after after the the you know accumulated seven <laughs> I love game how we red like card, classify him in months, and everyone knows yeah, exactly what you, you mean. Know. Yeah, October was Casemiro took a while to get up to pace, and then by January he was absolutely you know he was brilliant, yeah. and then he got the two red cards, and then he bring rust right. They're still sanding the gears on the, in this Casemiro. He was he was better at defending cutbacks, which is very good because that was the thing that really concerned me most of all this season. But that positioning, that ability to go, I'm going to stand here now because the cross is going to come in. Um, if that remains, then we can be more encouraged about what happens in the games to come. It was a funny moment when he did get subbed because he kind of like had a bit of a chat with Ten Hag and it was one of those where you're sort of looking at it thinking, is he pissed off? Is he <laughs> is he kind of just explaining what happened with the penalty? You know, but it was sort of like a, a funny situation. So obviously it's like, is it, it's 2-1 at that point, isn't it? Yeah. McTominay's on. First touch. Sorry, I'm trying to piece it back together in my oh, mind. But you're right. you know? <laughs> he went mad. They celebrated uh, together. And, well, that's it. And then yeah. McTominay scores first touch, and Casemiro leaps up and then makes a beeline that's to hug Ten Hag. And that, that was. I, I, I know you can put a lot on moments in games. Who's celebrating with who? You know, read maybe too much into things. But I don't know. It did feel like quite interesting to note that. Yeah. This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to MichelobUltra.com courtside to learn more. 
Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 US-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Right, somehow we've got to nearly 20 minutes in this podcast and we haven't talked about what should have been or what could have been the biggest narrative of the night. Five minutes in, Marcus Rashford had the best shot he's had since last Thursday in Belfast and put Manchester United (laughs) 1-0 in front. Um, What about the decision then to start Marcus Rashford, Laurie? I mean, was her eyebrows raised at Molyneux when the team sheet came out? You called it, Ian, didn't you? I I was uncertain. I was like, does he, you know, Anthony... He's played brilliantly at Newport, deserves to keep his space, space, place. Um, and then, yeah, but you said, no, starts him, gets a goal, you know, strong performance. And then it's done, isn't it? it, it, it we've moved on already. You know, that is basically how yeah. this works. And the, the post-match press conference, again, you'd think that would be the kind of narrative. And obviously the way the game went, it was crazy. So there's loads to talk about. Yeah. But I, I asked him one question on Rashford just in terms of his response gave a nice answer and that was it nobody else you know followed up I thought it was a really strong performance from Rashford not least as Carl's touched on for his uh, obviously goal scoring but the defensive work that he did he he sprinted back in moments you could tell that he you know clearly was playing with that kind of fire that he played with at Wolves like you know last season funny isn't it very very good management from Tenag was it was it also am I wrong in remembering that Casemiro was the one that slapped him on the head after his goal last season as well, <laughs> Probably, yeah, and he, he did he did it here, and that was the one that brought him a, brought a smile out of him because yeah. he obviously went over to the away fans and kind of celebrated a kind of sort of stern way. I, I quite liked that. It was sort of like, yeah, I'm, I'm here, you know, don't doubt me, you know, and and so listen, he's obviously it's not as Carl said, it's a start, and it's, it, you, know, you, you want that to be a regular occurrence because it hasn't been that frequent uh, performance level from him this season. It's three but, and three now, though. Yeah, three and three in the Premier League. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And, and I mean, such a good finish. The, the two first half goals were brilliant. You know, the moves for them. And then, you know, Hoyland linking up. Uh, I know we'll get on to maybe Hoyland and, and his movement as well and, and the goal scoring. But yeah, Rashford, I thought, was a, a really strong performance to come back with. There was one line at the end of Andy's piece on Rashford where he essentially said he'll probably start because it's not like other forwards are banging on the door. And yeah, you know, best 11. Ten, I think if you... you Scrub everything away to its essential parts. Ten Hag wants to win games of football. And the decisions he makes always... Needs to. Wants to, needs to. And it's far more than... For all the talk of, oh, we used to do this in the Netherlands, or he he, he believes this, or believes this, he believes this. He just wants to win games of football. All of his decisions are driven primarily through that. And if he believes a player can help him win a game of football, they will always have a chance. Um, And Marcus Rashford had a chance to help win a game of football, so Ten Hag probably went. Let's sort this out. Case closed. Case closed was the thing. And off he went. And yeah, he he helped win that game, not just through that attacking work, but by going back. The, his link-up play with Luke Shaw is always going to be a very, very good way to get the ball up and down the field. Adds the first goal. Hoyland scored in the Premier League. That's been assisted by another United teammate because Shaw was on the overlap as well. He benefited the fact that there was no plan B because... 
one's being loaned at, at Hatafe, one's loaned at Dortmund and one's always injured. So that's played into him and it does feel, as Laurie says, as though it's already become last week's story and it can almost revert to starting and hopefully doing well against West Ham. But honestly, I was really struck by how many United fans were negative about him before the game. I really was. It was... Um, and I spoke to lots of fans. We stood outside there. But, you know what football fans are like? They can change the tune. And five minutes in, it was a lovely finish. There were great goals tonight. And I hope, as Carl says, it is the start. In terms of the surprise of Rashford starting, because perhaps the protocol that he'd set previously was that if you, you know, act out, you get dropped for a game. Yeah. I think in his mind, the Newport County game counted because, uh, for our information... Uh, Rashford reported ill Friday, reported ill Saturday, but then made himself available on Sunday, said, I'm, I'm fit, I can play. But by that point, United had already travelled down to South Wales. So Tanag said, no, stay at Carrington Train, which he did. And then obviously they've had the conversation, the meeting on the Monday uh, with his agent, Dwayne Maynard, his brother, uh, John Murta and Eric Ten Hag. And, and then that's basically the contrition that he's shown there is, is said to Ten Hag, right, that's it. The Newport game counts. And then Wolves, it's the first opportunity you're back in and that just draws a line under it. And it definitely goes to what Carl's saying about winning the game. You know, Rashford gives him a better chance of winning it. But I do also think it's wider than that. And it's sort of a sign that if, you know, he's, he's not this kind of guy that isn't, isn't bendable at all. He, he, he does have his discipline, but it's not to the point where he's going to sort of punish somebody for the sake of it. It's, you know, if Rashford's shown contrition, which, you know, is what United are saying, then he's taken responsibility, then that's it in his mind. Matter closed, we move on. Yeah, it's been interesting actually to listen to some of the reaction to uh, Rashford from former Manchester United players and even players like, you know, Roy Keane and Gary Neville, who you'd probably expect to be more hard line and, and more outspoken on this sort of issue than than I thought that that they were. Uh, and there's been a lot of understanding, I think, for Marcus and his situation. I mean, Andy, your piece on The Athletic, and I encourage people to go and read it, I think is a very, very fair reflection of where we're at with him. And there's definitely concerns, no doubt, about some of the issues that there's been and, and, and this, this situation in particular. But if you are going to make a mistake, it's always about the reaction. It's about what happens next. And if, you know, we're we're, we're led to believe... He's gone into United, he's shown contrition. There was no mention of an apology in the United statement, but it feels like he will have made one. And then to be given a fresh start, Eric Ten Hag said it was it was case closed. And, and to react that way tonight, help Manchester United win the game, send them on the way after five minutes. And I think the perfect thing for Rashford is that the game was so crazy and Cobby's finish at the end was so good that he's not the story. Uh, it couldn't have been any better. Because the other factor, Andy... And it goes back to what you were saying before. Going into this match, he was not very popular with Manchester United fans. And the last thing I think anyone would have wanted was heading into the West Ham game at Old Trafford with there being any sort of concern about what the reaction would be from United fans. Because anything like that deepens the situation. Fans are more than entitled to have their say on the situation. But I think it was important for Rashford to be able to do that tonight ahead of Sunday. If this season isn't going to be a complete disaster for Manchester United, then the team need Marcus Rashford playing well and they need Casemiro playing well and Raphael Varane 
and Lissandro Martinez. You know, if Wolves would have won tonight, Wolves would have gone ahead of Manchester United in the league. There's still a significant gap between United and those European places. Eric Ten Hag and Ineos, they're not giving up on the Champions League. I worry if United got into the Champions League, whether this team could actually do anything, given how bad they were. I'm still sore about the Champions League from this season. I've got to be honest about this. But this season's going to be over soon. Mm -hmm. And United running out of matches. And the team has got to be start winning, you know, five out of six, six out of seven, six out of eight. That is the only way, that gap. I think it's eight points to fifth. And we do think that fifth's going to be good enough to get into the Champions League. Yeah, we think so, yeah. That was a big, big win tonight. And it's got to be followed up by a big, big win against West Ham. Because remember how bad United were at West Ham. It wasn't that long ago. And that's that same team. And David Moyes will do everything he can to frustrate. That's what he does when he brings his side to Old Trafford. So United need the best players to be playing well. There needs to be some type of unity. There needs to be a buzz which has been missing between the fans, between the players. The atmosphere's got to be lifted. It's been really, really flat at Old Trafford in recent matches. And all along in the background, you've got the FA Cup run bubbling along. And hopefully Manchester City will get knocked out at some stage. But obviously they got through against Tottenham and they'll revert to type. Keep getting drawn against the dog and duck or whoever they play all the way to Wembley. And this season could end on a high, but it's been a really poor season so far. The team have got to start winning now, and Marcus can still end a really poor season for him. I mean, he's starting to score. He's in his most prolific moment. Yeah. So maybe send him to Belfast a bit more. This is what the end result is. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. So the transfer window for January slammed shut earlier and what an uneventful month it has been for Manchester United incomings. There was time in the final 24 hours of the window though for um, Facundo Palestri to join the likes of Jadon Sancho, uh, Donny van der Beek and others leaving Manchester United on loan this month. Um, what have you made of it all, Laurie? Um... Yeah, I've I've struggled to get there, I think. any excitement. <laughs> I just because you just knew that United weren't going to do anything. I mean, you know, I wrote a piece at the start of the month that basically said they might do an emergency striker, you know, and and Marshall having this surgery out for ten weeks. Okay, there was a moment where you thought, okay, this maybe they'll start, you know, doing what they do in January. Um, and Tenag, I'm sure, was pushing behind the scenes. He said he was looking, you know, uh, for signings, but. The FFP situation, PSR, just mean that they can't do anything. You know, that's 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 the message. Fine. You know, I don't. I've not got a calculator. I've not been delving through their accounts to such a fine degree that's that I can Critch prove or disprove that. Exactly. We bring Critch back. He tells me that it's it's legit. So, um, so you just there was never any kind of sense of excitement. So it's all about outgoings. And I guess we'll see the the value of, of those sales in, in well loans with options really, isn't it? So they're not even guaranteed to be sold. Um, some of the players, um, but yeah, clearly they they knew they didn't have as many games to come in the second half of the season. So those 
players on the fringes, let them go. And actually, you've got someone like Omari Forson, who's another player from the academy, who you know they, they signed from, I think, uh, he's at Tottenham and West Ham beforehand. Um, and now he's actually getting games. So you're thinking, OK, fine, if, if Ten Hag's seen something in him that he, he prefers to play him and, and, and see what he's got for the future, then that's obviously a much better solution to this second half of the season than, than buying somebody, you know, for an emergency situation or, or, or kind of giving minutes to the kind of players on the fringes. I'm really intrigued by Ten Hag's recent cameos for Amari Forson. It feels like he's nudged slightly ahead of Ahmad Diallo in the pecking order, be it up front or on the wing. And he's very technically secure. You know, you only had like four touches of the ball, but he kept the ball when he needs to keep the ball. He's really experienced beyond his years. He's now got one more assist than Anthony in the Premier League this season. Mainly he's got one more goal than Anthony in the Premier League this season. Yeah. Laurie's got one more goal than Anthony <laughs> in the Premier League this season. Uh, Anthony played on left on the left wing uh, against Wolves, which I thought was interesting. Yeah. But I, I, it didn't really spark anything more from him. He is what he is at this point in time. He actually he's, gave he's the ball away, didn't Wolves he? Yeah. Combat, didn't Wolves he, yeah. goals, yeah. yeah. I've got a big assessment of the squad coming out, hopefully sometime on Friday, which is very much January windows closed. Here's what Ineos may make of the squad based on what we know. Uh, and everyone's been dropped into to certain categories. And Laurie's right, I think. that These these loans, these outgoings, that's probably the most interesting point. Manchester United have four senior left-backs and they probably only really need two. So Brandon Williams and Alvaro Fernandez need to do something during these loans. You know, you, you're hoping Brandon Williams can help push Ipswich to a promotion into the Premier League and then maybe securing a permanent move. It's in Manchester United's best interest that Jaden Sancho performs well at Borussia Dortmund so he can either stay at Dortmund or go somewhere else. Or somehow some sort of resolution is found between Ineos Ten Hag and the player. But tentatively speaking, I think the big learning from this January window is a reboot is coming and that will probably take a number of players on the fringe of the first team having to go before any, not even a blue chip player, but before any even you know squad players come in. And United are getting good sell-ons as well. I mean, for, for Palestra going to Granada, if he's playing the league, if he's playing minutes, that's good for him because he's not getting minutes at Old Trafford. Mm-hmm. I got a nod from Norway this morning about Isak going to Werder Bremen and I chased that down and found out why that was happening. And Manchester United felt he was not going to sign a contract to stay at Manchester United. And his contract was running down, so they would have got some compensation at the end of the season. So by getting money for him now, and I don't know how much money that there is, but I, I'm told it's more than the compensation the team would have received. By getting a sell-on clause, uh, it's better than nothing. And this isn't ideal because Isak was a decent player, but where's his pathway into the first team? It, it just isn't obvious that, that, that there is one for him. And if the club feel consistently that he's not going to sign a contract, what are they going to do? Let him run it down. So the club have got to act in, in their best interests. I think that some of the sell-ons that have been inserted into some of the loan deals could be beneficial to Manchester United. But I agree with you, Carl, that you feel like a big sort of... Big change is coming. Mm, mm. All within the parameters of, of FFP, which has become so significant. But you know United are going to spend good money in the summer because that's what United do. The key is to not spend it as badly as has been spent in recent years. I think it's going to be a really big summer for the academy. If you have to be this mindful of PSR, you might, and you're a, you know, if I'm putting on my green visor and pretending I'm an accountant for a little bit, I'm looking at United squad and going, of 
Harry Maguire, Victor Lindelof and your, your centre-backs, do you need both Maguire and Lindelof? Can you not try and sell one and then promote Willy Kambala as your third or f- fourth choice centre-back? Because that's, that's how you ease that struggle. Is there another way you can, you know, could you possibly find a market for Tom Heaton and then promote one of your academy goalkeepers? Ten Hag might say no because he prefers to have three senior goalkeepers. But that those are the sort of decisions that it feels like United are going to have to make this summer. Tom Eaton's on a free in the summer, Carl. His contract yeah, expires, so there's there's no market unless you know. It's the one you can get money for. It's the one you can get money for. market for him last year. It's who can you get 15, 20, 30 million for? And they'll, they'll try and sell a player, clearly. At least one. Player, I mean, they know? tried to sell last summer, McTominay, yeah. uh, Maguire. You know, they they realised that this was going to be the situation, but. It's difficult when you've got players on big wages and there's clubs out there that might not want to pay you know, the money because they've got FFB considerations. Yeah. Well, everyone clearly seems all, to, don't they? Yeah. That, that's the issue. Yeah. It's almost right across the league that people are having to, to be really careful with this. And when you look at what's happened to Everton already and Everton and Nottingham Forest and what's pending with them now, I mean, that's as big a warning that anyone needs. Right, let's just do a very quick preview to West Ham. I think I can probably sum it up, Laurie, by saying... United just need to win again, don't they? Need to win again. It, that would be lovely, wouldn't it? I mean, would that make it five games unbeaten? Yeah. Hoo-hoo! Now they are cooking. Um, yeah, I mean, it'd been, it'd been just nice. I think what really encouraged me tonight was the forward interplay between, you know, obviously the front three, but also then Luke Shaw on the overlap and even Diogo Dallo coming in, you know, inside. You could see some of the patterns that they've clearly been working on in training. Um, so I'd love to see a bit more of that against West Ham. I do think that if they play with that kind of attacking uh, sort of potential, and I know Wolves were dishevelled and they were their own worst enemies at times in the back line, but they are a good team here. You know, they have beaten, as you said earlier, you know, Man City, Tottenham. Um, so, you know, they're no mugs at least. Um, so I kind of feel like if United are able to sort of reach that level again, I do think they'll beat West Ham. Yeah, United haven't been five unbeaten since the run that included them uh, winning the League Cup final last year, beating Barcelona wow. uh, and drawing away there as well. That that was the, the run that, in, that, that was... Uh, as many as five games. It was a few more than that this time last year, but it sort of gives an idea of how inconsistent United have been this season. I, I was, I said that we're going to do a West Ham preview, but I can't finish this podcast without mentioning the fact that I think six or seven players went up for a corner at 3-2. What on earth were they doing? Just trying to win, mate. Just trying to win. They were already winning. Yeah. <laughs> Johnny, wasn't Johnny Evans one of them as well? I'm thinking... And Harry you're, Maguire. You're smarter oh, than this. I, I think that says a lot about what these players think of the team in that one goal we need another one unless you score it very very late isn't enough I listened to the pod after Newport and I thought Bruno's comments were telling in that they said at 2-0 they kept trying to score more goals rather than think about game management this has been a problem about I mean it was particularly evident in that Champions League campaign they keep trying to score the third or fourth goal when they haven't properly scored the second or secured that two goal lead so it happens but while I have your attention, I want to say this on the podcast because I know it's going to come up again this weekend. I know someone's going to go, why did Eric Ten Hag buy Anthony rather than Mohamed Kudus? So I'm going to do my best to explain. Kudus was injured for about 20 games on the Ten Hag at Ajax. And Ten Hag looked at his skill set and went, oh, you might do good as a box-to-box player, picking up the ball in deeper areas and pushing forward, especially because you're left-footed. He was not a right-winged player and... Also, he sometimes played as a number 10. United needed a right winger. The right winger at Ajax was Anthony. Kudus wasn't really on the consideration. 
now should United have bought Anthony? Another question, but that's why United didn't buy Mohamed Kudus to play on the right for United in the summer of 2022. Laurie's pulling the face, I can only tell, which is like, is that true? No, it's because <laughs> I, I've just asked him to go out in Wolverhampton tonight and he said he can't because he's got FFP <laughs> issues. <laughs> and he's rolled out by them, them, whoa, whoa, whoa. them no. drinks that he has. No, let, can I, I need to say this on the podcast. Right, so I'm selling United We Stand Thank outside you. for the first time and Andy didn't have change. So I've given one of his punters a fiver, you know. Out Where are your money? Well, listen, that's what that, you know, some people might say you do, but then <laughs> just again. Just driven you to Wolverhampton. Exactly, exactly. Just that's, picked up from your let house, me finish. door to door. And there we go. The chauffeur service is more than recompense for that five pounds. Right, gentlemen. Well, while you argue over who owes who what, do it over a pint, why don't you, or a drink of whatever you're having, Laurie, on the way back home. We're having a brolly in it. I'm going to say goodnight. It's been lovely to, to reminisce on a match that, only just finished when we started, but has made us all smile. There's issues, there's problems, there's stuff to discuss, I'm sure, as we move forward for United, but just need to revel in a moment that... Yeah, going to remember He's forever. going on the pitch. And I'm I going think... on the pitch. I'm the only person left in walling you now with Laurie. Should we go on the pitch? What had happened? Take your shoes off before you go. Sorry, Ian. That's all right. I was doing a really good end to the pod no, there, you but were, you've mate. absolutely ruined it. So never mind. Goodbye, everyone. Thank you for listening. Thanks for being with us. See you on the next one. Bye-bye. Thank you, Ian. Ian, put your camera on really quickly. Athletic.